Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. This week we hear from parishioner Melissa Devereaux. She preaches from the lectionary, which was Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52. As always, you can find more information about All Souls or more sermons on our website, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. have the stories of two men, Job and Bartimaeus, who are each rewarded by God for their faith. Over the last few weeks, we've been hearing about Job's trials, and in our Old Testament reading, we hear once again of Job's faithfulness, and we learn of the earthly rewards that God provides him, beautiful daughters among them. In the gospel reading, we have the iconic story of Bartimaeus, a blind beggar whose persistence and evident faithfulness convinced Jesus to heal him on the spot. As I picture the scene that Mark is describing for us, Jesus walking through the crowd, word of his miracle performing abilities is out, people are clamoring to be near him, His disciples and friends have taken it upon themselves to hold the crowd back. And Bartimaeus is off to the side, shouting and crying out to Jesus to have mercy on him. Where would I be in this scene? Where would you be? If I'm honest, I'm probably most like the shushing disciples. Stand back. Be quiet. Make way. Wait your turn. I don't feel much like Bartimaeus at all. There's an exuberance in him that is hard for me to relate to, especially these days. Bartimaeus shouts out and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He gets shushed by the crowd, but that doesn't stop him. The next time we're told, he cries out. When Jesus becomes aware of him and calls him over, We're told that Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and springs up. I love these word choices in the Gospel of Mark. Spare, but clear. We can see Bartimaeus, can't we? The overachiever in me sure can. He might be the student in the front row of the classroom with his hand raised, saying, pick me. To be clear, I don't think Bartimaeus is showing off but he's eager. When he's chosen, he throws off his cloak and he springs up. He has a liveliness, an exuberance that feels palpable, even in just the short lines we're given here. He wants to see again, yes, but what I hear is his eagerness to claim what he knows to be true and to act on it. And what he knows is that all he needs comes from God. I don't know about you, but exuberance, liveliness, and eagerness have felt in short supply for me lately. I'm weary. I'm wary and weary. A little shell-shocked from the tumult of the last few years. 
in ways large and small, the cumulative effect of all that has unfolded and is continuing to unfold has made me feel brittle, scarred, cautious. For me, it's felt hard to risk exuberance when we're living in a world where it feels like the other shoe might drop at any moment. Plus, exuberance, it's a little goofy, might be kind of childish, unseemly. No cloak throwing here. Not much springing recently either. I just haven't felt much like Bartimaeus. It feels risky to stand and declare what I know to be true. But here I am. As I was letting the text, as Phil says, work on me, I kept coming back to this idea of Bartimaeus being so sure in Jesus, so excited to be called, so grateful to be healed that he immediately dropped everything and followed Jesus. You might not blame the guy if he had other things he'd like to do with his restored health, but he joined right up. Not only did he know that everything he had comes from God, but that those gifts need to be urgently acted upon in service of God. So, it's been hard for me to relate to all of this. A wounded but enthusiastic man makes himself known to Jesus, is healed, and then immediately turns himself to the work of following Jesus. I can relate to the woundedness part. The rest has been much harder. That is, until I took a hike. A few weeks ago, we went hiking in a state park in Napa, one that was only this time last year engulfed in the flames of the glass fire. Many of the smaller trees and much of the brush had been cleared by the fire. Some larger trees, too, had completely perished. And yet everywhere I looked, I saw signs not just of new life, but exuberance. Energetic green growth on the ground, liveliness up high on the branches above the fire's scars. After the wound, the exuberance of life continuing, of healing in progress, of new forms taking shape. How does such exuberance come to be? What makes it possible for wounded trees to send up new shoots that can help heal the whole forest ecosystem? One answer, community. You may have read or heard about the books Finding the Mother Tree or The Overstory. These books each explore this idea that trees are part of a much more complicated and interconnected web than perhaps we knew before. Underground, not just root systems, but fungi and other organisms create a vast web to share information and resources, even across species, to heal wounds, to alert about danger. We now know it's not just rain and fire cycles that create fertile ground for new growth. It's a system that says, hey, I see you need some of what I've got extra of. It's constantly going on underground. Reciprocity, but also unearned generosity. Grace, I believe, is the term. 
The biology, chemistry, botany, physics of all this are too much for me. But this much I get. If you know even an inkling of what is happening underground, and you can see the visible wounds of the trees that you, so you know what happened above ground, you can't help but experience the new growth after a wildfire as full-fledged, wholehearted exuberance on display. Have mercy on me, they seem to shout, as they throw off their cloaks and spring up right out of the scorched earth. So the hike did me some good. And it got me thinking about the web of underground connections that are at work in my life and in yours. People, places, things, ideas, that working together could recognize my wounds and the nutrient deficits that have arisen because of those wounds and start to work with that information and get me what I need and get others what they need in turn. Get me what I need to be lively, to be exuberant, to be ready to throw off my cloak and declare that all I need comes from God. One such network for me is the Episcopal Church. You may know that I'm an army brat, and so I moved around a lot when I was growing up. This could have been disruptive, and in many ways, I guess it was. But I didn't experience it that way. My parents did whatever they could to keep consistency and structure in our lives. And part of that meant finding a new Episcopal church wherever we moved. Even though we were frequently uprooted, they placed us near a source of energy and healing and connection. Nutrients, bread, wine, music, people. Placing me and my brother where we could benefit from this kind of network was one of the many extraordinary gifts our parents gave us. The liturgy we celebrate each week in this place is part of a communion of saints across space and time is quite literally a homecoming for me. Making me feel connected to something much larger than myself, but also strengthening, nurturing, and feeding me for the work God has set. Like so many of us, our beloved All Souls has been wounded over the last few years. The scars may be more visible to some than to others, but beloved members have moved out of town. Others are not yet ready to return for one reason or another, and still others are just missing despite our attempts to be in touch. Those of us, those of us who have stayed may be feeling tired of carrying so much of the load. And yet, the human and divine web of which all souls and all of us are a part has never stopped giving us what we need. And so despite the wounds, there is also exuberant new life. New members found their way to the corner of cedar and spruce and are joining us for worship and ministry. 
New ministries, birthed during the pandemic, are adapting to respond to the evolving needs of our brothers and sisters in Berkeley and beyond. And perhaps most visibly, two exuberant green bushes of new growth. Jordan Court next door, which will open in December and provide homes for those in need. And the Sunday night service, a worship opportunity designed especially for those from an evangelical background, will launch on November 7th. All Souls is nourished by the people who are calling this little bit of forest floor home today by our membership in the larger Episcopal Church and by our connections to those who came before and those who will follow us. And even with our scars, the nurturing web of which we are all a part provides what we need and asks us to provide for others as well. Once Bartimaeus was made well, we're told he immediately followed Jesus. There's more exuberance in that word, too. He didn't mess around. He acted. We can trust that Bartimaeus got busy creating new growth, taking up his work as part of the great web of reciprocity and connection and care. Today, on In Gathering Sunday, I'm asking you not to ignore the wounds and losses of the last few years, but I'm asking you to consider your part in the web of connection and support that makes all souls a healthy forest. What can you share that others need? What new shoots can you help send up? What exuberant new life will be possible because you acted on what you know.